right, all right, all right. I want to welcome all of our campuses to week two of our series entitled Breakthrough. Come on, can we just welcome all those that are joining us? Baton Rouge to Biloxi and our new Atlanta campus. By the way, I want to welcome all the men and women every week at the St. Tammany Parish Jail and all those that are live with us right now at the Orleans Justice Center. Come on, can we just welcome all those with us? Over 2,000 of you, we honor you, we love you, we're so grateful that you are with us today. You know, we are in part two of a three-part series every year during this time, every year. Uh, for 22 years, uh, Church of King began 22 years ago. I do a stewardship series. It's always the last two weeks of October, the first week of November. And, and here's the reason why. It always amazes me, and I always love when, 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 when new believers, when people are born again, they come into the kingdom of God. And I love having those conversations with them. It's like, Pastor Steve, I didn't know how practical the Bible was about family, about life, about raising kids, about marriage. In other words, a lot of people, this is important, a lot of people think that the Bible is, of course, the ultimate goal, trust me, is to go to heaven, faith in Christ, your sins being forgiven, absolutely. The Bible teaches how that we can trust Christ as our Savior, and we can be born again, and, and we can be forgiven, and we can have an eternal home with God. But the Bible teaches also more than that. And the Bible gets so practical. I had a conversation with a guy one time. And matter of fact, uh, it was after service. He goes, Pastor Steve, it just blows me away. He was a young Christian. How practical the Bible is. Again, if you weren't here last week, I said this. Not just about life. Not just about family. Not just about kids. Not just about, by the way, employers, employees, moral decision-making how to get along with people, how to forgive. Boy, that's a popular topic, isn't it? How to reconcile relationships. The Bible, it's all in the book. And one of the areas that a lot of people do not realize that the Bible talks about is our finances, stewardship, possessions, money. Matter of fact, for all the new people, we have so many new people, just like there's so many new people, all of our campuses, every campus, and thousands of people that join us online each week. Let me just tell you something. There's over 2,350 verses in the Bible related to possessions, stewardship, and money. Now, that's a big number, by the way. 16 out of 38 of the parables, you know that stuff in red, the Jesus, the teachings that he did, 60, almost half of them relate to what? Stewardship, possessions, and money. So every year, once a year, same time of the year, I do a two to three week series every year. Why is that? Because lots of people, A, don't know it, and number two, those of you that have been walking with Jesus for a while, it's always good encouragement. Faith comes by what? Say it. Hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Not my opinion. We're going to talk about God's word today. So we're in a series called Breakthrough. Last week we talked about, by the way, I want to encourage you if you're not here, uh, we always, you can always download uh, all the messages. I talked about Breakthrough. I talked about that God is not desired that we are in any way enslaved to anything in life, including consumer debt. Again, I went through a lot of biblical principles last week. Please get that today. I want to talk to you, part two on breakthrough, I want to talk to you about breaking mindsets. Breaking mindsets. The mindsets, the unbiblical mindsets that I believe are holding us back. 
It's interesting, when I gave my heart to Christ, I, um, you know, my parents made me go to church when I was a kid. And you guys have heard the story. They made me go to church, and they wouldn't give me lunch money. So I'm like, all right, I'll go to church, you know. So I didn't have an option. And, and for whatever reason, I, you know, of course, I slept a lot in church. And, you know, I would sit in the back of you. I would just, you know, I had to go to church. And, and so for some reason, I never heard this. I never got it. I know the preacher talked about it. Don't misunderstand me. But for some reason, when I got saved, when I got born again, I am so grateful. I'm so grateful that I had good discipleship in my life. By the way, if God wants, let me tell you, this is important. Why do we believe in small groups, discipleship, teaching you biblical foundations? You want to know why? Because God wants to do great things in your life. And God doesn't just lay a six inch slab if he wants to build a skyscraper. God goes deep. Everyone say deep. That's discipleship. God wants to put the word deep in our hearts. Why? Because he wants to explode and do great things through your life. And I'm so grateful. Listen, I'm so grateful. My dad taught me about biblical stewardship. The associate pastor at our church taught me about stewardship. And a man, I've not talked about this, but there was a man that discipled me. I worked for him when I was in college at Tulane University. He taught me. Matter of fact, I named my second son after him. He taught me about, he, he owned a business and he taught me about tithing. Watch this. He taught me about tithing. He taught me about generosity above that offerings. He taught me about savings. He would make me show him the check. He'd say, all right, 10% goes here. Then go over and above generosity. Make sure you're saving. Steve, if you do this. And of course, you always get these principles. If I would have done this at 19. I want to say this. I want to thank God for those people in my life that discipled me. Because I have been doing that since I was 19. How many are grateful for good biblical discipleship and people discipling your life? They taught me these principles. That man taught me that scriptural practice. And here's what he said. He said, Steve, anytime God blesses you, anytime God blesses you, watch this. God always attaches a test to it. God blesses, God prospers. We believe the Bible teaches that. But God also attaches a test to the blessing. And here's the test. Are we going to love money more than we're going to love God? Or we're going to love God more than we're going to love money? And I want to say this. Every campus, I say it every year during this same series. I've been doing it for 22 years. Let me tell you something. Money is a wonderful tool, but a lousy God. It's a wonderful tool, and God wants to bless you with it. Matter of fact, God wants to put money in your hands. And I tell you, he'll put a lot of money in your hands if you steward it well. He just wants to make sure that money doesn't get in your heart. And the number one way, the ancient biblical principle that God gives us, watch this, to make sure that money stays out of our heart and it stays in our hand is the biblical principle of tithing. If you're new to Christianity, maybe you've never heard, I'm going to go scripture, but I'm going to build a case biblically. Because when you begin to get this, you begin to see God wants to bless you. He wants to bless you. But he wants to make sure. He wants to make sure where your affections lie. Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Will we love and trust money or will we love and trust God? Luke chapter 16, verse 10. Watch this. He who is faithful in what is least is faithful also in much. And he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Therefore, this is powerful. If you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to you the true riches? Who will commit that to you? 
See, here's the point. Money promises us ultimately what only God can provide. And we've got to understand. In other words, we have to have a proper relationship with money. All of us. The Bible teaches that. What is money? Money promises us security. Money promises us freedom. Money promises us power. Money promises us significance. But the truth is, money really can't deliver that. Oh, sure, it can give you some freedom. And sure, it can give you some influence. But I'm going to tell you, at the end of the day, it can't give you what God can give you. You can be a billionaire if your son's dying of terminal cancer. You can't do anything about it. You can, but I'm going to tell you, but if you pray and you call out to heaven and you get God's power, I mean, you know, it's a, it's a changer of everything. It's a changer of everything. I'll say this again for those of you that are new, maybe that you are a guest. Money is a wonderful tool. God, doesn't have a pro, God does not have a problem with you having money. He has a big problem with money having you. God will put a lot of money in your hands as long as you keep it out of your heart. And then number one, number one, not number two, not number three, but the number one way that God has actually given, it, by the way, for thousands of years, the number one way, the number one way that God, a practice that God has given us to make sure, watch this, that money doesn't ooch. You know what ooching is? Any golfer knows what ooching is. To make sure that it doesn't ooch from our hands and somehow come up our shoulder and get in our heart. The number one way that he gives us is the biblical principle. It's a sacred principle called tithing. Speaking of money becoming an idol, it can become an idol if we don't understand and have a right relationship with it. Two friends met in the street one day and one looked sad and almost on the edge of tears. The other man said, hey friend, how come you look like the whole world has caved in? The sad man said, let me tell you why. Three weeks ago, an uncle died and left me $50,000. What's wrong with that? It's not bad. It's incredible. He said, hold on. I'm just getting started. Two weeks ago, a cousin I never knew left me $95,000. That's amazing. Why are you sad? Jeez. He said, well, last week, my grandfather died and I inherited a million dollars. What on earth are you down for? God, what'd you? he goes, because I'm going to tell you, we're almost at the end of the week and nobody's died as a relative of mine. <laughs> What's my point? We always want more and more and more and more and more. Can you rejoice in what God has blessed you with? Now, I want to just share something with you. This is one of the most powerful verses. And for those of you that have never, ever heard this, this is biblical. I try to strive at Church of the King. I, I try to not share my opinion as much as I can. I want to share the Bible. It's Christ that changes people's lives. It's the Bible that equip you. It's the Bible that'll teach you and give you the power to overcome in your life. All right, so here's the Bible. Malachi chapter three. Matter of fact, the last book of the Old Testament, it is written 400 years. Let me tell you, it's 400 years before the gospels. That's what's called the silent years. Actually, the name Malachi means my messenger. And in this book, it's the most profound teaching about this ancient, and I'm going to call it an ancient biblical principle because it started before the book of Malachi, but I want to build here, and then I want to go back, and then I want to go to the New Testament because I'm building a case to help you understand to keep money in a right relationship with you. I want to say this again, all campuses. God does not have a problem with you having money. Matter of fact, God will bless you with it. He'll put a lot of it in your hand as long as it doesn't get into your heart. As long as it's not the, on the throne of your life. God will bless you. And he gives us a practice, though. He gives us a biblical practice to keep it out of our hearts and into our hands. Malachi chapter 3. Here's what the Bible says. 
Second to last chapter in all of the Old Testament. Here it is. You guys ready? Will a man rob God? Yet you've robbed me. But you say, in what way have we robbed you? He says, in tithes and offerings. He says, you're cursed with the curse, talking to the nation of Israel, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse. That's a place that you're fed. That there may be food in my house and try me. Everyone say, try me. Uh-oh, I'm going to talk about that. By the way, it's a double-edged try. I'm going to talk to you about something, and I love my mom. Something my mom taught me as a kid. Don't ever tempt the Lord. Don't ever try the Lord. She was 99% right, except this one verse. Try me now in this, said the Lord of hosts, if I'll not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there not be room enough to receive it. And I, oh yes, the Lord says, I will rebuke the devourer off of your life. Let me tell you, for your sakes, he'll not destroy the fruit of your ground. This was good news. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts, and all the nations will call you, come on, everybody say it, blessed. For you will be a delightful land, says the Lord. It's interesting, as Malachi is the last prophet in the Old Testament, 400 years, and then we have the silent years, and, and then the birth of Christ, and the gospel of Matthew and Mark, and Luke and John, and, and Malachi sees the nation of Israel. Watch this. He sees the nation of Israel, and, and, and they're experiencing spiritual poverty, mental and emotional poverty, and yes, Financial poverty, their land, there's something is not working. And he begins to say, the reason why is because it's because God is not number one in your life. Something else has become number one in your life. And he says, as long as God is number one in your life, let me tell you, the blessing flows. But if something else moves from your hand and it gets into your heart and it takes the place of the throne of your heart, things stop working well. By the way, we do not believe that prosperity has anything. It's not just money. It's peace in the soul. It's peace in relationship. All of us know people with money. They're a wreck in their life. How I many you know they're not biblically prosperous? Biblical prosperity, when the blessing, how many know the blessing of God? It includes every area of your life. How many of you want that on your life? I want that every area of your life. Spiritual, emotional, every area of your life. There are two initial robberies that Malachi records in this. He talks about tithes, and he talks about offerings. And he says, you and I can experience a breakthrough. There's a better way if we'll keep God first in our life. And one of the areas he talks about is related to money. I want to look at some scripture here because, you know, I've been a pastor 22 years. I've been in the ministry close to 30 years. Had a lot of conversations with a lot of people about a lot of topics. And whenever I have conversation with people about this particular topic, particularly people who have a, a, a church background, there's often some questions related to tithing and, 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 and money and the Lord and all that stuff. By the way, if you've not been through Dave Ramsey, I want to say it one more time, Financial Peace University, we've had 12,000 adults in our church that have gone through. In the spring, we'll have the class. It's 10 weeks. It'll help you in every area of your life, not just tithing, getting out of debt strategy and all that. But I said that to say there's often a lot of questions. 
One of the questions that I often get is, well, Pastor Steve, I mean, you know, we're under grace and, and isn't tithing, isn't, some, isn't that under the law? And we're not under the law, we're under grace. And, and my response to that is, no, actually tithing's not under the law. Tithing was instituted 400 years before the law. Right. Tithing is actually not about money, it's about putting God first. Amen. It's about putting God first in every area of your life. Everybody say, God must be first. And the reality is, is that the very first, here's a biblical trivia. The very first place in the Bible, the word tithe is mentioned. Genesis chapter 14, verse 20. When Abram had all these spoils and he brought them, the Bible says he gave a tithe. The word tithe is the Hebrew word masar, and it means a tenth. He gave a tithe of all to Melchizedek, the high priest. So it was, actually, it was actually instituted 400 years before the law. It was before the law, in the law, and after the law. Let me, let me give you another one. Pastor Steve, okay, let me just ask you this. Is this, whole, is this really like an act of worship? So when I'm doing this, is this thing like holy to God? The answer is yes. It's actually a holy moment when we honor God. Leviticus chapter 27, verse 30. I love this. This is powerful. It says, all the tithe of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's. It is. The Bible calls the tithe. It is what? Everybody say, it is what? Holy to the Lord. Now, it means the word tithe is the Hebrew word masar, and it actually means tenth. So we give the first 10% off of our income, off of bonus, whatever increase comes to us, boom. Here's the point why. Here's why. Because it's actually saying this. It's actually saying this. Right when we get paid, boom, we're putting God first. It's about putting God first. How can the creator be number two in our lives? Have you ever thought about that? How can God be anything, anything but number one? So what, what it does is, remember, God wants to put it in your hands, but he wants to make sure it stays out of your heart. That's why when you tithe, it actually clips the ability of money to grow up your arm and into your heart. It keeps it in proper proportion with you. And by the way, so you can be a great blessing for your family, help people, enjoy all that. Be a blessing yourself, but tithing keeps it out of your heart. Pastor Steve, another question. Did Jesus talk about tithing? Did he affirm tithing? That's New Testament, wouldn't you say? He actually did. Matthew chapter 23, 23. Here's what he says. Jesus, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you pay tithe of mint and anise and cumin. Those are seeds. But you've neglected the weightier manners of the law, justice and mercy and truth. These you ought to have done. In other words, you should tithe, but don't be mean to your neighbor. Does that make sense? He said, you should tithe, but don't leave the other things undone. He affirmed it. So it was instituted before the law. It's in the law. It's after the law. Now, I want to just say a couple things about this. Part of the reason why we don't understand this is we don't understand this, that God owns it all, all of our life, all of our breath. He gives it to us as a gift. And he says, the way that you're going to keep me number one in the area that vies for our affection the most in money is the tithe. We've got to understand it all belongs to God. Everybody said all belongs to God. So we actually don't give the tithe. We actually return the tithe because it all belongs to him anyway. I, uh, I like Chick-fil-A, and I know that you guys like Chick-fil-A. And, uh, of course, it's not open on Sunday. But, and, uh, but, and so, I, so my boys, when they were in school, I would bring them. We'd go eat breakfast on Friday mornings. We'd go to Chick-fil-A. That's where, where, where we'd go. But, but, but I want to say this, and I don't know if Chick-fil-A is going to be in heaven. I know it's Christian. You know, a lot of people. 
But, but I'll say this. Uh, let me tell you one thing. Let me tell you one thing and one place that is going to be in heaven. Uh, one, let me say let's see, one item that's going to be in heaven. I don't care what anybody says. Pastor, are my dogs going to be in heaven? I don't know. But I know one thing that's going to be in heaven. You guys ready? Here it is. McDonald's French fries. <laughs> I don't care. what. Any, I don't know if your cat goes to heaven. I don't know if your dog's in heaven. I don't know if Chick-fil-A's in heaven, but I will assure you, McDonald's. How many of y'all believe that this is absolutely the best? I, I'm, I know there's a lot of health people in our church. I don't care what you say. I don't care what you, I, listen, uh, you know, this is in heaven right here. I'm just, uh, this is going to, you know what I'm talking about. So wonderful. So, so my boys, so my boys, I, I brought him one day, and we, we went to McDonald's. And, and, and so my one son, it's funny, he prepares to eat. Do y'all have that? Do y'all have like an eater and then a preparer to eater? It's like, he's like, so he prepares things and then eats the things, all right? So, so he lays out all of his napkins. He's got all of his napkins. And so he lays out his fries on there and then he salts them up, peppers them up. And then he's got like 17 little ketchup things, like an artillery, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it's all lined up all over the place. It's like amazing. So, 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 so I sit down. Now, I'm, now, here's the thing. And I want to try to stay in shape. I don't eat as well as I should all the time. But, and and so, so, so I do... Actually, like I still do, if I go out, actually, if anybody my, with my wife my, or anybody in our team for lunch, I will order something healthy. Matter of fact, I eat, I eat lunch with my dad every Saturday at 12 o'clock. So I eat a salad with tuna, but he gets a hamburger with fries. And the reason why I tell him to get fries is because it's less calories if you take it off of somebody else's plate. <laughs> it just is. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Don't judge me. You know it's less. It's just, it just less. So, so I would do, so if I go to, go to McDonald's, I'm not going to order fries. I'm going to, I'm going to take it off there. So, so my son's got everything. So one day, so I said, son, I'm going to, I'm talking about, what does this have to do with tithing? Just wait. <laughs> so I said, I said, I said, I'm trying to give you the picture. I said to my son one day, I said, son, um, let me take, uh, I'd like to get, uh, give, give me some of your fries. And so my son, he puts a, he goes, no. <laughs> and he kind of just, he says, no. I said, <laughs> I said, no, seriously, I, I want to get some of your fries. And I'm like that. And he kind of did my hand like that. I'm like, bro, huh, that's another level. <laughs> okay. You could see Jesus any second if you do that again. <laughs> I'm serious. Don't, 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 don't like lightly slap my hand. Seriously, don't do that. <laughs> I'm a Christian, but like not that much. No, I'm, ter- <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm terrible. Of all the guests, I really am a godly person kind of. So, so I'm like, dude, like seriously, like, like I'm, we can do this too. You got some options. You can, you can give them to me and we can have a peaceful moment here or I can like, I can take them from you. So you're, you got some options. I don't have options. You have options. Well, I, you know, and so, and, 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 and here's what I said. And I said, son, what you don't realize is you own nothing. Did y'all see, this was, so, I, I shouldn't say all that. It's funny. It's good. Did y'all see Shaquille O'Neal this week when he said that? He goes, he goes, I'm rich. My kids are poor. Do y'all remember that? Did y'all remember, did y'all see that? That was the best or something, something, something similar to that. Of course, I'm not, but I, but I've got more money than my kids. And, and, but there, I'm, I'm trying to give an analogy here. 
I said, son, I, I, could, I could buy you so many fries. Let me just say, I, first of all, actually, I am Lord of the fries. I control your fries. I bought these fries. Everything you wear, I own. Everything, I, I, you own nothing. As a matter of fact, I could, I could literally, I could buy, I could, you know, I could buy probably a gallon of fries. I could put fries all over your life. I could, I could put fries in your life. I could put them on top of your brother. I'm telling you right now, give me one of those. I'll say it because it's not church. One of those. Give me one of those fries. Now, the reason why this is funny and sad is that's exactly what we do with God. God blesses us. The fact that you're not dead, but you're alive, that you're in church, that you have ability to actually come here and to go to a job and work. How many of you, know, how many of you believe that's a gift from God? You believe it's a gift from God? Gift from God. All right, now here's the point. Here's the point. Here's the point. And then God says, I just want that tithe back. Because when you give me that, it reminds you, not me, it reminds you that I'm number one. Isn't that good? All right, before we close, i got 10 minutes. I'm going to give you three quick things, three quick things that the tithe does in our life. You guys ready? Here it is. Number, number one, this is important, and this will help. Right? Three things it does, and we'll close. By the way, oh, by the way, I'm doing a series during Thanksgiving called Thank You Note, and then wait, during Christmas, I'm fired up about this. Welcome home for the holidays. How many are ready for the holidays? Aren't y'all ready? I got, hey, listen, I got four messages. Welcome home for the holidays. We're putting banners out. It's going to be at all of our campuses. We're going to create such a warm, wonderful feel. We're excited. People are just flooding into all of our campuses right now. So I, I just want to let you know, I'm very excited about that. Okay, so let me finish up this. Three things our tithe does. Number one, what does it do? According to the Bible, Malachi 3. Number one, the first thing, the tithe provides for God's work through his church. Look what it says. Malachi chapter 3, verse 10. Bring all the tithes into the what? Everybody say it. Storehouse. Pastor, what do you give your tithe? Well, the Bible says the storehouse. The storehouse in the Bible is the place that you're fed. The Old Testament storehouse is the New Testament church. It's the place that you're fed spiritually. Why? That there may be food in what? My house, the Lord said. The fact of the matter is, is because of the generosity and the tithing of people in our church, we're able to preach the gospel to thousands of people. Matter of fact, because of the giving and tithing, we're able to actually preach to 2,000 prisoners this morning that need Christ. Thank God for that. Hey, by the way, wait, wait, by the way, it's because of the tithing of the people in this church, this is good, you're going to love this, that we were able to have 1,200 teenagers Wednesday night, just at the Little Creek campus alone, 652 kids here in Christ. Can we give Jesus a hand clap for that? That's your kids. Now, now why is that? I'm going to tell you why that is. It's because, because when, when, when a church is healthy and strong and there's tithing, you can reach people for Christ. That's why we can give $2 million back each year. That's why we can, by the way, that's why we're in a position to be able to help people and give 70,000 meals, 80,000 during hurricanes. Why? Because, because when we tithe, there's spiritual food in God's house, the preaching of the word, but it creates an environment for kids and teenagers. 
And that's why we're able to do all that we're able to do at all the campuses and provide homes for people. And many of you have met Christ in this church. That's why during a pandemic last year, we had over a thousand people that came to Christ and we didn't even baptize people half the year. And I think we had six or seven hundred people water baptized. Can we give Jesus a hand clap for that? That's what you guys have done. That's your church. So number one, the power of that is that God says it, it, it provides food it, it provides a resource in my house. It positions every church, a healthy local church, to love the community, to do the works of Jesus. Number two, let me tell you the second thing that tithing does. I'm just going to write down this thing, and I'm done. Tithing increases. By the way, I do one message a year on tithing. This is it. One message a year. And I, but I, I probably should do more, but I do one, and it's always this weekend. Because if you get this truth, I'm telling you, it keeps money in a right relationship with you. And you'll put it in your hands. Tithing makes sure it doesn't crawl up your arm and get in your heart. Tithing, number two, increases our faith in God. Pastor, how do you, what do you mean by that? I'll ask with a show of hands. How many of y'all know? I don't want to do that. I'm going to tell you this. A tither, a person's money goes further, a tither's money goes further with the 90% than a person's 100% if they're not a tither. And by the way, I can prove it. There's miracles. All You're like, I don't know how it happens, but God just, what, what, what? Because that's God's way. He blesses it. Things happen. It breaks you from self-reliance to God-reliance. And it brings the supernatural. By the way, it brings the supernatural into your business. It brings the supernatural into your life, into your home, into your family. Miracles. Why? That's called, watch this, that's called the windows of heaven. How many want the windows of heaven opening up over your life? Okay, here it is. Watch this. Malachi 3.10. And try me now on this. You know, when South Louisiana, you know, when you dare somebody, it's a big deal. But you know what another level is? It's called what? Double dog dare. If my brother double dog dare me, I'll just do any. I'll, yes, I'll, I'll show you. That's the Hebrew language. It's as strong as that. God says, basically, I dare you to become a tither and watch what I do in your life. By the way, tithing is a two-way test. Only thing in the Bible is two-way test. Number one, God's testing us. Don't miss this. This is biblical. But then he flips around and says, I dare you to test me. Wow. Only place in the Bible. Only place in the Bible. Right here. He wants to put it in your hand, sir. Ma'am, he wants to put it in your hand. He just wants it out of your heart. And that's what this is about. This keeps it out of your heart. Keeps it out. I've seen people in our church, God prosper them, God bless them, and they never got this revelation. And I'm telling you, money, it, it'll, it'll just go out of your hand, and it just climbs up your arm, and it just comes, and it takes a place that God never intended it to take. But if it's here, you can just enjoy life, bless people, help people. Man, it's different. Pastor Steve, why 10%? Well, the Hebrew word, Masar, is tithe. I, all I can say, I don't know why 10 other than this. Okay, the number of perfection, the number of God in the Bible is what? Anybody know? Come on, say it out loud. Seven. All campuses. What's the number of man in the Bible? Say it out loud. Six. Remember that? Book of Revelation 666. Six, six, are you, you know, six. The number of 10 in the Bible is the number of testing. Let me give you an example. Remember Moses when he came down to Mount Sinai? 
He had those two big tablets. They were called the what? The Ten Commandments. Do you remember what happened right before that when the Hebrew people were in, when they were in Egypt and, 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 they, and they were slaves in, in Egypt and God set them free? How many plagues came upon Egypt to test Pharaoh's heart? Come on, say it out loud. Ten. Do you remember the lepers in Luke chapter 17 that Jesus healed and only one came back? How many were there? Say it. Ten. Remember how many disciples there were? Say it. I was testing you. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Something about that. Malachi chapter 3, verse 11. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so he'll not destroy the fruit of your ground. Speaking of rebuking a devourer, a young man named Alex came to Christ at 14 under the ministry of the famous evangelist Dwight L. Moody in 1902. Mr. Kerr read a book called Judas, Judas Scepter and Joseph's Birthright which talked about the power of the tithe. He was so deeply convicted to begin tithing based upon the scripture found in Genesis 28, 22. All of that you've given me, I will surely give you a tenth. He saw God increase Jacob supernaturally. Well, Alex, or his full name, Alexander Kerr, committed to tithe for one year. Within three months, he began to see unexpected blessings. That same year, with faith in God's promise, he started a company the Kerr Glass Manufacturing Company. Anybody ever heard of those before? Watch this. It became one of the largest fruit jar suppliers in the nation. At the time of the massive San Francisco earthquake in 1906, his jars were actually being manufactured right in that city. He had poured all of his money into the business. As the fire raged, his friend said, you're a ruined man. He said, I don't believe it. I know the Bible is true, and I have a covenant with God. I know that God won't go back on his promises. He was out of town, and he sent a wire to San Francisco and received this reply. Your factory's in the heart of the city and undoubtedly destroyed. We'll not be able to find anything out for days. He stood on the truth that God will rebuke the devourer. A week later, he received a second telegram. Everything within a mile and a half of the factory burned, but your factory is miraculously saved. The factory, listen, stored tons of oil and was probably the most flammable property in all of the city. Not a single fence board around the factory was burned, nor the building, nor a single jar cracked. Let me tell you something. God honors his word. How many of y'all grateful for that? Listen to me. I want everybody to hear me. Listen to me. Let me tell you, those of you that give, I know a lot of people give online, they tithe, which I, I do too, and, and my wife and I, but that's why when we hold hands and we pray, we pray this. By the way, I'm encouraging you. You need to declare this. Say, say this. Say, God will rebuke the devourer off of my finances. That's biblical. Stand on the promise. Declare the promise. Speak the word over your life. Oh, man, God has got, let me tell you, this is so powerful. I'll close with this. Pastor, what is the last thing the tithe does? It teaches you to put God first. God doesn't have a problem with you having money, sir. Ma'am, he doesn't have a problem with you having money. He just doesn't want that to have you. And the tithe keeps it out of your heart and keeps it in your hand. I'll read this last scripture. Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 23. The purpose of tithing. Here it is. The purpose of tithing is to teach you always to put God. Everybody say it. Say it. First.
Right when you get paid, I give to God. Right when I, you, by the way, we teach the kids when they're young, be a tither, son, be a tither, honey, be a tither, be a tither, be a tither. Boom. It just becomes part of who you are. It's like reading your Bible. I honor God. I read his word. I'm a tither. I pray. I spend time with God. You just, it just becomes a part of your spiritual constitution. I honor God. I tithe. Every time I get paid, every time I increase, boom. What are you doing? What are you doing? You're keeping money out of your heart. Keeping it in your hands. God's number one. Let me tell you who wants to be in the Lord of your heart. Jesus. That's who's first. That's who needs to be number one. Yeah. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads right now. All of our campuses, since the presence of the Lord here, I'm going to ask all of our campus pastors to come on stage right now. And The reality is, is that the first step in putting God first is trusting Christ as our Savior. It's the very first step. It's where we say, Jesus, I need you. I repent of my sin. I, I, I give you my heart. I give you my life. I need the blood of Christ to wash me and cleanse me. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I can't save you. Church, the king can't save you. I tell you who can. Jesus can. I can point to who saves you. His name is Jesus. Question, do you know Christ? Have you ever submitted to him and said, Jesus, come into my life? I want to be born again. What does that mean? When we trust Christ, our Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to live in our hearts, and we're spiritually made alive. In just a moment, at all of our campuses, at the count of three, I'm going to ask for a show of hands. If you say, Pastor, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about where I am in my relationship with God. I'm not sure if I died. Today, I'm ready to stand before God. I want to pray for you. You need Christ. You need the blood of Christ to wash you and cleanse you. At the count of three, would you just lift your hand up high? One, two, three. Quickly, hold your hand up high so I can see it. God bless you right there, sir. Anybody else? Pastor T, pray for me. I need Christ. God bless you, sir. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you as well. Anybody else? Pastor T, God bless you, ma'am. God bless you up top right there. Anybody else? Pastor T, pray for me. I need Christ. I'm not sure about my relationship with God. Church family, we're going to pray with them right now. This is the most important prayer they'll ever pray. Let's pray with them right now. Can we do that? Say, dear Jesus. Come on, everyone. Dear Jesus, I come to you today. A sinner in need of a Savior. Say, Jesus, I repent of my past. I let go of my past, and I turn to you. I turn to the cross. Say, Jesus, wash me with your blood. Give me a new heart, a new life, a new reason to live. I want you to say this. Say, Jesus, I take my life, and I put it in your hands. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for the sealing work of the Holy Spirit and the word of the living God taking root deep in the hearts of your people. In Jesus' name. Man, what a powerful message from Pastor Steve. And hey, if you would like to make a decision today to give your life to Jesus, we are so excited. And we as your church family are celebrating with you as you make the best decision that you will ever make. That's right. And as you're making that decision, if you have any questions whatsoever, on what it means to follow Jesus. We have people who are ready to pray and talk with you right here, right now. So please let us know of any prayer requests or questions that you may have in the chat room. We would also love to be able to resource you as you begin this brand new journey of following Jesus. So if you text the word decision to the numbers 822-822, one of our pastors would love to reach out and follow up with you. Well, guys, that concludes our time here together today. 
But we want to invite you to invite others to join you next week as we wrap up this amazing series that Pastor Steve has been teaching on. So we'll see you same time, same place. Have a great week.